Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Hocraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue to reflect into the richness of the gospel. We are now moving this 22nd Sunday in ordinary time out of our treatment of John 6. We left the gospel of Mark for a period of five weeks, and now we are returning to the gospel of Mark. And if there is any message that comes to us from the gospel today, it is this. Jesus dislikes hypocrisy. Because it is not appearances that count before God, but reality, not the way someone presents himself, but what he really is. Jesus always loved and praised what was genuine. So we are challenged this week to really look at that great question. Are we being true to who God is calling us to be? Are we genuine? So uh, very important. All right, with that, let us... uh, jump into the gospel of mark one of the things that i want to do today is not only speak to the gospel text and what's going on with the pharisees and scribes but really get into uh, the sin of gossip there's 13 vices that our lord speaks to as it relates to what comes from the heart i want to spend time with that all important vice of gossip because i don't think it gets enough airtime so we're going to be Uh, hitting that today. And I am flying solo, so if you have any questions, uh, comments, observations, please do not hesitate to email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com, or you can uh, send me your questions to my website, joeholcraft.org. That's J-O-E-H-O-L-L-C-R-A-F-T.org. Just hit the contact link button there and send your question, comment, observation on its way, and I will certainly be glad to respond to you. Okay, the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 7, verse 1 and following. Now, when the Pharisees gathered together to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, observing the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, They do not eat unless they purify themselves, and there are many other traditions which they observe the washing of cups and pots and vessels of bronze. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with hands defiled? And he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold fast the tradition of men. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a man which by going into him can defile him. But the things which come out of a man are what defile him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within 
and they defile a man. So what do we have in, in today's gospel passage? You know, the Pharisees and scribes come from Jerusalem to essentially investigate our Lord, huh? <laughs> Jesus abolishes the practice of ritual purity and the distinction between clean and unclean foods, and they don't take well to this. That is the Pharisees and scribes, huh? We can call them the watchdogs of religious tradition. And ultimately, these watchdogs cite Jesus for running a rather lax operation, if you will. Some of his disciples, as the gospel tells us, were eating with unwashed hands. The Pharisees and scribes seized this infraction of law and challenged him, huh? Why do your disciples not live according to, to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And how does Jesus respond? With an etiquette lesson? No, no. Instead, he calls the Pharisees and scribes what they are, hypocrites. What does he say in verse 6? You hypocrites. Quoting Isaiah, Jesus exposes the condition of the legalist hearts, which they render corrupt and defiled. So in our gospel passage today, Jesus cuts at the root, the tendency to give more importance to external gestures and rites than to the heart's disposition, huh? The desire to appear better than one is, in short, hypocrisy and formalism. Today, we can draw from this gospel text a teaching not only of an individual order, but also, we can say, social and collective. The distortion that our Lord criticizes here of giving more importance to external cleanliness than to the purity of heart, we can certainly say, is reproduced today on a worldwide scale. Now, there is very much a preoccupation about exterior and physical contamination from the atmosphere, you know, the water, the hole in the ozone layer. All the while, there is this almost absolute silence about interior and moral defilement. We are, for example, indignant on seeing marine birds emerging from waters contaminated with petroleum stains, covered with tar and, and unable to fly. But we do not say a word or show a shred of concern for those who are the most vulnerable. And certainly, how can we not be thinking about abortion? Over the last two months, we've been getting these run of videos. Horrific atrocious, the incarnation of evil, and it's making a lot of people uncomfortable as it should. Huh? And yet, and yet, the drive-by media wishes not to talk about it. But oh, they will talk about the marine birds emerging from waters contaminated with petroleum stains, unable to fly. But we will not dare talk about the most helpless. Let's be clear about something. We are not saying that uh, we shouldn't be caring for creation. I am not setting one thing up against another to show one is right and one is wrong. The struggle against physical contamination is a sign of progress and civilization which must not be given up at any price. However, <laughs> however, Jesus has told us that is simply not enough. It is not enough to just wash our hands our vessels, and all the rest. This does not go to the root of the problem. Because as Pope Francis, oh, by the way, has just reminded us in his most recent document, it is just not about a natural ecology, but an ecology of the heart. 
we have to care for the purity of the heart, okay? And once we do that, what's external, that will be seen for what it is. So, as you heard from the gospel, <laughs> our Lord launches into this program of an ecology of the heart, where again, he cites 13 vices. Now, we cannot get into all of those right now, but as I noted off the top, I do want to get into one. One particular vice, and that is slander, specifically as it's related to saying evil things about one's neighbor. I mean, the question's posed. Do we really want to start undertaking the task of healing our hearts? If so, we must engage in an all-out battle against the habit of gossiping, the habit of criticizing or murmuring against other persons, those who are absent. This is a poison that if we do not neutralize it at once, it will spread. That being said, there's a great story that comes to us from the life of one St. Philip Neri. As the story is told, once a woman went to confession to St. Philip Neri, accusing herself of having spoken badly of some people, the saint absolved her, but gave her a strange penance. He told her to go home to get a chicken and return to him, plucking its feathers along the way. When she was in his presence again, he said to her, now go back home and collect one by one the feathers that you let fall when you were coming here. Impossible, exclaimed the woman. The wind by now would have dispersed them in all directions. That's the point, St. Philip Neri says. <laughs> now you see how it is impossible to take back murmuring and slander once they have left the mouth. My dear friends, gossip is very, very dangerous. What is gossip? Well, you can turn to any dictionary, and it will speak to gossip as idle conversation that goes on about the affairs of other people. And for this reason, as we've noted, gossip is poisonous, because as long as it is an idle conversation that does not serve the purpose of praise and building up the people of God, what does it lend itself to but a conversation that operates as a negative and, and ultimately sinful? Words of gossip are empty of any meaning. And we have to start thinking about this. And this is why we should be examining on a daily basis, my friends, how many negative things we say in a day about those who are in our circles of everyday life, huh? We might be surprised by the number of empty words fill up our many discussions and how these words cause harm down the road and lead to an emptiness of heart. Here we should be heeding the advice of St. Paul, huh? In his letter to Titus, chapter 3, verse 2, tell them not to speak evil of anyone. In other words, if you do not have anything good to say, then don't say it at all. <laughs> and then if there is any doubt to the gravity of gossip, listen to the words of James that comes to us from chapter 3, verse 11. Consider how a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow! Listen to those words that come to us from James, a not-so-gentle reminder of the poison of gossip. It's interesting. If you were to go to the word, it comes from the Old English, Godseeb, 
which means sponsor godparent. Over the course of time, <laughs> we've seen how this word has evolved from a familiar acquaintance, such as, say, a sponsor or godparent, to anyone engaging in familiar talk to ultimately bring us to the definition we have today. Again, the idle conversation about the affairs of other people. So, how fascinating is that? A word that once spoke to the blessing of relationships is now about the betrayal of relationships. Again, <laughs> Satan is always busy hijacking a truth that rightfully belongs to God. What's more, the Catechism of the Catholic Church makes it clear that just because a statement is objectively true or proven as a fact, it does not give us a right to share it to whomever, wherever, and whenever. Essentially, we are to conform ourselves to the fraternal precept of love, as the Catechism speaks to it, so as to discern the proper timing of what needs to be shared and when it needs to be shared, if at all. That's paragraph 2488, paraphrased. We have not been given the gift of insight for insult, but insight to serve the discernment of what to say, if anything. Here we ought to recall that all-important virtue of silence. What do I mean? Well, as a noun, we define silence as muteness or the absence of noise. In its verb form, we define silence as the act of becoming still or quiet. So it is in the action we take to become still that we begin to move towards silence as a virtue. So silence is virtuous when he who could speak remains still. Huh? Silence means that he who could go forth by speaking remains in an inner reserve. And of course, this inner reserve is the zone of any good discernment and is quintessential to understanding the inner dynamics of how to build up our relationships in Christ. We have to be sure that we are taking up the question, should I say something to the virtue of silence and the practice of discernment? Now, often in my discussions on gossip, the question of fraternal correction comes up, right? Well, the, the church reminds us that we have the obligation to correct our brother's fault for the sake of the righteousness of love. You can go to Matthew 18, verse 15 and following, Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, Hebrews 10, 24. All of these verses speak to the importance of correcting our brother's fault for the sake of righteousness out of love. And how do we do this? Well, 1 Peter 3, 15 reminds us, in a spirit of gentleness and reverence. I mean, my dear friends, if genuine peace and unity is to be realized in the hearts of our friendships, then reconciliation between friends is vital. And sometimes that reconciliation process involves a reproof or the first spiritual work of mercy, admonishment, right? My dear friends, if we would be more upfront with situations that we are not okay with, friendships would see a lot less betrayal and despondency and a lot more trust and cheerfulness. You know, far too often we are let down by our friends because we place an expectation into friendships. We ought to be mindful that 
On the other side of expectation is disappointment, and disappointment often breeds resentment. And it is for this reason we need to be willing to have the conversations that are necessary for our friendships to move towards that more authentic peace and unity. You know, I speak to the word admonishment here. It's interesting. The word admonish comes from the Latin monire, meaning to warn, advise, or alert someone to a threat or danger. The danger, of course, being sinful behavior. You know, the church does not use certain words lightly. The fact of the matter is, my friends, if you love me, my hope would be, as difficult as it might be, that you would come to me and let me know that I am doing something wrong or make me more aware of a certain behavioral pattern that is leading me towards sin. Why? Because love demands it. In light of this, fraternal correction should be rooted in the following principles. First and foremost, we have to be mindful of our own weakness and need for Christ, right? Pray for that disposition of non-condemnation, charity, reverence, and humility, and allow the correction to flow out of a genuine love. Point two, pray for clarity and discern when to engage the correction. Timing, my friends, really is important. Point three, for the sake of integrity, as the Gospel of Matthew reminds us, at least initially, let our fraternal correction be behind closed doors, one-on-one. -on -one. Point number four, always make sure the person has the experience of being listened to. So important, right? We bum rush with all of our critiques and we never really allow the conversation to mature. As Pope Francis has spoken to it so beautifully, once we give the person the experience of being listened to, they will open themselves up to the conversation itself. And if they trust us, and of course, trust always has to be present, then the conversation will indeed ensue. Point number five, really under the inspiration of the first principle, we have to be prepared to give sufficient reason for the fault that lies at the heart of engagement. We have to be clear we have to be concise, and we really have to allow the dialogue to ensue. So important. And the last point, point number six, we have to trust in God. We have to trust in God. You know, a correction is not always received well, but some of my strongest encounters that have led to a more authentic expression of reconciliation needed more time because human nature needs time. Once we can get past the pride, we allow God to work and ultimately bring about the reconciliation process. So what we have in the absence of fraternal correction is the sin of omission, which can ultimately then lead back to the sin of gossip, right? What do I mean? Well, next time you catch yourself in a moment when you have said less than charitable words, ask yourself the question, could this moment have been avoided if I engaged the person on the matter being discussed? You know, one of the great tools of the adversary is the fear of confrontation. While silence is virtuous, as we just spoke to it, it can also be a trap if we are not speaking up when we ought to. Here we need to pray for the gift of fortitude, huh? That gift of courage. 
which gives us the grace and strength necessary to address with our brother or sister in Christ what needs to be addressed. Otherwise, whatever is not being dealt with festers and destroys relationships. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Pope Francis reminds us of the importance of engaging conflict. Why? Well, because it can have a kind of power over us. Listen to what he has to say here. Conflict cannot be ignored or concealed. It has to be faced. But if we remain trapped in conflict, we lose our perspective, our horizons shrink, and reality itself begins to fall apart. Reality itself begins to fall apart. Remember what we said off the top about the importance of reality, huh? If we do not live in reality, and we live in this false world that we have created around us, then our lives will become spiritually empty. So it is, we must be able to confront those conflicts. And in so doing, look into the eye of the storm and with our Lord say, what? Peace. Be still. Mindful that challenges are not easy, yes, but that does not mean they are impossible. In point of fact, the whole idea about a challenge is that it opens us up to our need for other. And in the case of reconciliation, of course, our need for God. Let us not face, my dear friends, God-sized challenges with man-sized resolutions. Challenges are opportunities, and those opportunities are about growing and maturing in Christ. Now, I want to just briefly pause here to offer up a word about judgment. I often hear from different people that they do not confront the issue at hand because they feel like they are judging someone. We must remember that God does not condemn the judgment of something if it is breaking down the body of Christ, right? This is what is objective, what is external, what is revealed, and what is seen. He condemns the judgment of someone when you are critical of why they do what they do. For this you do not know. This is what is subjective. And by subjective, we mean what is internal, hidden, and unseen. We must also be sure that we are not premature in our judgments. Because what is objective will always be seen for what it is, but sometimes this takes time. Consider the parable of the weeds and the wheat. The servants go out and identify the weeds growing in the wheat, but maybe they were inaccurate in identifying the weeds from the wheat. What do I mean? Well, the biblical text wishes to tell us something here. The Greek word for weeds is zyzini or dolium which translates our particular kind of weed that in its initial stage of growth resembles quite closely that of wheat. Our Lord said to the servants that the enemy has planted such weeds, right? What we must be careful of is make it a judgment before we know the whole of the situation, before the situation has matured. Time is in our favor, huh? As the saying goes, do not be too quick to judge. Now, as it relates to the judgment itself, well, you know, in our society today, we judge all the time, right? I mean, think about it. Why would we have officers of law if it were not for an objective standard that establishes a right from a wrong? I mean, I get pulled over by a police officer because I was going over the speed limit by 15 miles per hour, right? What would I look like if I said to the officer, hey, officer, it is okay to go 50 miles per hour over the speed limit because that is what I think to be okay. Well, at the very least, the officer would, would remind me that going 80 is 50 miles per hour over the speed limit, and I was in the wrong. 
He is making a statement of fact that is a civil standard for the greater order of the whole of society. Likewise, my friends, Christ has set up moral standards of truth for the greater order of the whole of the kingdom of God. We have the responsibility, like that of a police officer, to reprove when necessary. But again, always in the spirit of gentleness and reverence, understanding the importance of timing and the appropriateness in what we should say. And understanding is important, you know, uh, to live in the gift of understanding is to be able to grasp the interior meaning of each encounter and how uh, it manifests itself in the relationship. The gift of understanding has the ability, we could say, to perceive behind a feeling that is manifested, behind an opinion that is expressed something else that is hidden within, right? The gift of understanding, my friends, allows each and every encounter to mature according to its full meaning. In many ways, when you start talking about the importance of giving the person the experience of being listened to, we do so in silence, yes, but also entering into that gift of understanding. Okay, so as we look to wrap up our program in our discussion of, of not only uh, gossip and the vice of gossip, but also this larger theme of the external life and the, and the internal life, I do want to put an emphasis as just as evil comes from the heart, so does good. And we need to enter into that deeper truth that indeed Christ has inscribed a new law upon our heart. What is that great passage that comes to us from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 and following? And the only citation of the new covenant and the old covenant, Jeremiah says, in the new covenant, no longer will the law be written on stone, but inscribed upon the heart. What does the prophet Ezekiel say? God will sprinkle you a new heart. And my dear friends, this inscription is one of truth, beauty, and goodness. When we receive our Lord and we cooperate in God's grace, what comes from our heart is not all of that muck and mire that our Lord talked about in the gospel, but truth, beauty, and goodness. And this transcends. The heart is the center of the person. And if we are, as the Beatitude reminds us, pure in heart, indeed, we shall see God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program, or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.